For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Everybody, it's time to believe in the Big 12. If you're a Big 12 baller, this podcast is the place for you. Every week, we dive into the hot topics surrounding Big 12 football and even some basketball. Guest stars, former players, industry experts, conference shakeups, hoops hypotheticals, football fantasies, you name it, we have it. In the process, we'll look at marquee matchups, roster comparisons, coaching carousels, and analysis of big-time moments. You will literally feel like you are etched into the fabric of the Big 12. From the creation of basketball to history repeating itself on the gridiron, our take on all things Big 12 will have you glued to the edge of your seat. So whether you've got a favorite Big 12 team or are just a fan of the conference, buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride. Welcome to the Believe in the Big 12 podcast, a proud member of the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome to the sixth ever episode of the Believe in the Big 12 podcast. And on behalf of the entire Believe Podcast Network, Before we kick off, I have to ask, do you believe? And more importantly, for our purposes, do you believe in the Big 12? Because the Big 12 is producing some pretty damn good football games right now, with a few exceptions. But I mean seriously entertaining stuff. Now for those who weren't here last week, we did our third ever set of power rankings. And again, it was awesome. But these weren't just any power rankings. These were the ultra super massive Big 12 power rankings. And if you've been here long enough, you know, even though we've only had six episodes of this podcast, that that's what we call our Big 12 power rankings. Because why, you may ask? Even though they won't officially be joining the Big 12 until 2023, we are going to include Houston, BYU, Cincinnati, and UCF in the rankings. It's only right to see how they stack up and that we start pretending like this isn't the reality from here on out. Because it is. And even though they're on their way out, we're going to include Texas and Oklahoma too until they're officially gone. So once again, welcome to the ultra-super-massive Big 12 Power Rankings. Here we go. Let's get right into it. At number one, we have Cincinnati, the Bearcats, which, again, for those who didn't learn from last week's podcast, is some sort of odd fusion between a bear and a cat. I I don't know. I've never seen one in the wild. I've heard of their existence, but I've, I've never personally seen one. Is a bearcat going to crash into my house while I'm sleeping, proving its existence to me? I don't know. Probably not. But what I do know 
is that Cincinnati proved its existence to me in a big way. I feel very good about my decision to put them at number one again after this week's drubbing of Temple, 52-3. to But that's not the number that matters most. What matters most is that they're now destined to be in the top four in the country after Iowa, number three, held on against Penn State, number four. There's no way Penn State stays above Cincinnati. In fact, it's already guaranteed. In the AP Top 25 poll, the Bearcats are now number three. And you know what that means. If the season ended today and the playoff selection committee had to slot teams in at this very moment, Cincinnati would more likely than not make it to the playoff. And that would mark the first time ever that a non-Power 5 team has made the college football playoff. That would be amazing. So I'm rooting for them. Bearcats quarterback Desmond Ritter looked like an absolute stud again, throwing for 259 yards and three touchdowns. Jerome Ford, he rushed for two touchdowns. In the defense, it was absolutely suffocating. I mean like boa constrictor suffocating. Maybe they should be the Cincinnati Bear Snakes. Or Bear Snake Cats. I, I don't know. Again, I haven't seen one in the wild. This is just conjecture. You know what's not conjecture? The fact that Cincinnati has a shot to do this. In fact, as it stands, according to ESPN, Cincinnati has a 45% chance of making the playoff. But I think that's an undersell. With one of the most reliable quarterbacks in college football, a stout defense, and a relentless running game, which reminds me a lot of the Cleveland Browns, they are poised for one of the slots. And if you're getting compared to an NFL team like the Cleveland Browns, a total powerhouse in the ground game, you're doing something right. So they are not just 45% poised, at least 50% poised in my opinion. This marked the 23rd straight victory at home for Cincinnati, and they don't show signs of stopping. Even Ritter is impressed with the defense and makes sure to watch them from the sidelines for at least a little in between possessions. That's how captivating they are, because he likes what he sees. Here's a quote from him about the defense. It makes my life a lot easier to know that we have a great 11 guys out there. 11 to 20 guys who can rotate in and out. That's going to lock things down. That's what Ritter said about the defense. He says, it's just fun when I do get to watch and really just see them wreak havoc. And Ritter has a really level head about him, so that says a lot for him to compliment the defense that way. And I think that level head contributes to his success. Listen to this quote from him. We're just 1-0, Ritter said. A lot of people look at 5-0, you know, their overall record. But for us, we're 1-0 right now going into conference play. That's the leader of a team that has their mind in the right place. Staying mindful and in the moment and realizing it's one game at a time. Humble yet confident. I like what I see from Cincinnati. Number one. Coming in at number two, we have the Oklahoma Sooners. And this was a special week for them. The Red River Showdown versus Texas. Always must-see television. But especially this time, a 55-48 to shootout victory for the Sooners was incredible to watch. 
and really showed that they belong in the playoff conversation, which of course they are. They pulled off the largest comeback in the history of the Red River Showdown, and one of the largest in the program's history. They were down 28-7 to to Texas in the blink of an eye and looked completely out of sync until the improbable happened. Coach Lincoln Riley listened to the chants from the stands and pulled Spencer Rattler from the game. I couldn't believe he actually had the guts to pull him. He pulled Spencer Rattler, even though backup Caleb Williams is a true freshman. And he is the number one QB in the class of 2021. I get that. So this isn't that risque. But boy, let me tell you, it was a good decision. Rattler looked rattled by the Longhorns and had an interception on the sideline with Coach Riley, where you could tell Riley was trying to get through to him. Rattler wanted nothing to do with it and kept walking. That was when I knew it was the right thing to do to make a change. The Rattler, at last, was truly rattled. He had just lost a fumble that was returned for a touchdown when the fans let their opinion be known. And Caleb Williams did an incredible job in relief. The Sooners went on to score on six of their next seven drives, posting 25 points in fewer than 11 minutes of game time. A massive comeback. A furious comeback, even. And with the game tied at 48 and 10 seconds to go, eh, let's not kick a field goal. Let's run a direct snap to Kennedy Brooks and let him take it 33 yards to pay dirt to seal an incredible victory. That was some resilient stuff. Oklahoma sits at number two. Number three, we have the other Oklahoma team, Oklahoma State. Now notice how this flipped this week. Last week I said Oklahoma was the other Oklahoma team. But now I say they've reclaimed the title as the official Oklahoma college football team. And Oklahoma State isn't far behind at all, don't get me wrong. It's just about the quality of their victories and their opponents. The quality hasn't been quite as strong as Oklahoma. And while they have both played in too-close-for-comfort games, Oklahoma has had the tougher lineup. And Oklahoma State was on a bye this week, so didn't have a chance to show their stuff. But that doesn't mean Oklahoma State can't prove them wrong and leapfrog the Sooners, because now it's their turn to play Texas. And if it was anything like the Oklahoma versus Texas game last week, my eyes will be glued to the TV, and yours should be too. The Cowboys of Oklahoma State have the chance to wrangle the Longhorns, and if they do so in a convincing fashion, where it took the Sooners until the very last play to win it, that will likely launch them ahead of Oklahoma. This matchup is going to tell us a lot. But for now, Oklahoma State, coming off the bye week, is at number three. Number four, we have Texas. And boy, did they show out, at least early on, against Oklahoma. And especially Xavier Worthy. Pretty much every break went Texas's way to start the game, propelled by Xavier Worthy's 75-yard touchdown catch on a simple screen pass on Casey Thompson's first pass attempt. The man went off for 261 yards and two receiving touchdowns, the second best performance by a wide receiver in Texas history, trailing only Jordan Shipley's 273 yards against UCF in 2009. Xavier Worthy is worthy of praise this week. And Casey Thompson? He threw for a casual 388 yards and five touchdowns in the loss. Texas star running back B. John Robinson added 137 rushing yards and a touchdown. 
But still, with this loss, Texas has played four games against Power 5 competition since Coach Steve Sarkeesian took over the program. Two of them were embarrassing losses against future SEC foes Oklahoma and Arkansas. And this one against the Sooners, it counts. It receives that label simply because the Longhorns blew a 21-point lead, which I consider embarrassing. Another was a closer-than-expected matchup against a struggling TCU squad. There's plenty of work to do in this program, and Sarkeesian deserves the time to do it, but blown leads and being physically unprepared is as much on the coaching as it is the players. We have to be real about that. So with matchups against number 12 Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Iowa State in the next three weeks, we'll see if Texas is strong as their offense suggests. The concern for me is that when Texas does get ahead, they can't stay ahead. The offense and defense seem to shut down. I mean, they were outscored 24-7 to in the fourth quarter when it mattered most, and Kennedy Brooks ran all over them for 217 yards and two touchdowns, including the game winner. According to ESPN, they have just a 3% chance of making the college football playoff. That percentage alone made me second-guess having them at number four. But I looked at the next men up, BYU, Baylor, and Texas Tech, and, and Texas has the leg up on all three, so they sit at number four. Number five, Baylor, who jumps back on top of BYU to claim the last spot of the top five. And ironically, guess who they play next? BYU. And BYU is going to want to make a statement in this one. They'll want BYU to stand for Beat You Up. So Baylor has to stay on top of their game and prepare for a physical contest. Baylor will have to hope that the level of physicality isn't too much for their offense to stay loose. Because they played absolutely loose and got into a groove like clockwork in this last game against West Virginia. Granted, West Virginia isn't the toughest competition, but it was still impressive how Baylor settled into their rhythm. I mean, it's, it's really hard to do that against any team. Baylor scored three straight touchdowns and tallied over 200 yards in one quarter. For all intents and purposes, this game was really 45-13, to 13, not 45-20, to 20, because West Virginia's backup QB scrambled to pay dirt in garbage time. The closest West Virginia got was 28-13. to 13. But Baylor didn't look back from there. The reality is, Baylor is absolutely no longer in contention for the college football playoff, even at 3-1, and one, as are a lot of other teams. But 525 total yards of offense? That's whopping, and you can't overlook that type of firepower. So even if they don't have a chance to make the playoff anymore, they're still a, a force to be reckoned with. Baylor is spreading defenses out well with stutter step routes up the sideline that bring defenders out of their zone, opening the middle of the field for crossing routes. Oh, and opening the middle of the field for the running back to gash through. Baylor's offense is what keeps them in the top five. Okay, next up, and fair warning here, listeners, prepare for a lot of movement in the 6 through 10 range because this was a very interesting week for this segment of the Big 12. So here we have number six, Kansas State. They jump up three spots, and they're probably the first team ever to jump up three spots by doing something this extraordinarily special, something truly amazing, and that is doing nothing. They had a bye, so not much to report here. 
The only reason they jump up three spots is because BYU, Texas Tech, and West Virginia, number six, number seven, and number eight in last week's rankings, all played so abysmally this past weekend that they had to be moved down. So, Kansas State, number six, by virtue of other people's suffering. Next up, at number seven, the aforementioned BYU. Look, this loss to Boise State stings. I thought BYU had a real shot at going undefeated. I really did, and so did they. But instead, they allowed Boise State to beat a top 10 team on the road for the first time in their program since 2001. And it wasn't that the Cougars overlooked Boise State. They just looked tired and out of sync by their normal standards. Aside from jumping out to a 10-0 lead, the Broncos of Boise State were completely in control against BYU. The Cougars finally showed a little life midway through the fourth quarter by completing a four-play, 70-yard touchdown drive, capped off with a rushing touchdown. But the Broncos responded, and BYU let them march right down the field for a field goal, and the rest is history. The Cougars tried to come back again, but the moment proved to be too big, and quarterback Jaron Hall threw an interception with a minute and 59 remaining. They looked tired on that play, too and like a team that just never found its groove on that day. I mean, for crying out loud, they had four turnovers. Tyler Algier fumbled once. Lopini Katoa fumbled twice. You do not win with four turnovers, and definitely not a fumble on a kickoff return taken back to the house for six points. It's a fact. It's fitting that the game ended on an interception. And look, it's not like the offense was abhorrent. They had 412 total yards, outgained the Broncos, and quarterback Jaron Hall had a career-high 302 passing yards. But the Broncos finished the game this time, and BYU helped them as much as they could with turnovers. They did not look like a top-10 team. The BYU defense, on the other hand, didn't produce any interceptions. This was the first time all season that a team had a lead on them for the love of cheese and crackers. And this is the end of their college football playoff hopes. Let me declare it now. Because we all know college football playoff teams convert in the red zone, and in this game, BYU simply couldn't do that. They had trouble blocking Boise State's linebackers and breaking through their defensive scheme with savvy play calling. They were a far cry from their usual self and couldn't capitalize on their quarterback's record passing day. Number 8, we have... Iowa State, number eight, Iowa State, the Cyclones. And they also did something absolutely incredible this week. (laughs) I'm going to exceptional. I've never seen this before. They moved up two spots in our rankings by doing something jaw-dropping, and that is nothing. Same exact story as Kansas State. And funnily enough, who do they play next week? Kansas State. So, depending on how that game goes... These teams might swap spots next week. Or maybe it'll be so bad that they both move down. Or maybe one breaks away and moves up to the top five and the other doesn't. Who knows? But I do know you can't do much with a bye week. Same deal. The only reason Iowa State moves up is because Texas Tech and West Virginia were god-awful. Number nine, we have Houston. And don't look now, but they're five and one. Who would have thought? 5-1. and one. 
Quarterback Clayton Toon just keeps on singing his victory tune. 288 yards, three touchdowns, a go-ahead score late in the third quarter. He led Houston to put on their rally caps and absolutely asserted Houston's dominance. Houston was up 14-0 to start the game, but then Tulane stormed back and took a 22-17 lead just after halftime in a stunning twist. The Cougars let star Tulane running back Tajay Spears and wide receiver Will Wallace get whatever they wanted and let them weave and zigzag across the field as they showcased poor tackling skills and angles of pursuit. But luckily, that lead lasted just about seven minutes for Tulane before Houston took back control. So, while it was impressive because of their resilience and ability to stay the course after a collapse, it's not a good sign that they're allowing a 1-5 team like Tulane to stage that sort of comeback. For that reason, even though they are 5-1, and one, Houston really isn't a legitimate contender in the Big 12 in my mind. Hate to say it, but what's good on paper isn't always great in reality. Their victories have come against mediocre teams that don't put up a fight, and their one game against a Big 12 opponent, they were beat by 17. So, they sit at number 9. Number 10, we have TCU. Yeah, you read that right, TCU. They absolutely trounced the 4-1 Texas Tech Red Raiders. They leapfrog them and West Virginia with this impressive win. And the most impressive part was their running game. They had not one, but two, count them, two running backs run for well over 100 yards. Kendra Miller ran for 185 yards and three, count them, three touchdowns. And Zach Evans had 143 yards and two, count them, two touchdowns of his own. And Evans, Evans did it in one half because he didn't see a carry in the second half. It looked like he injured his his foot, actually, on one of his early touchdowns, so he wasn't able to come back from that. It was his fourth consecutive 100-yard game, making him the first TCU running back to do that since 2002. And it was his sixth 100-yard game in the last eight games, dating back to last season. The Horned Frogs piled up 394 yards of rushing. That's their most since racking up 431 yards in a 62-22 beatdown against Baylor in 2016. And this was their first road game of the season, which seems strange, but that only makes it more impressive. They were up to the challenge. They completely gashed Texas Tech, even though Texas Tech itself finished with 558 total yards of offense on their own. The defense did look good and reactive, despite that tally of yards. Travius Hodges Tomlinson had a nice pick six after a pass caromed off of a TTU wide receiver. TCU can build off of this momentum and plays like that, having flash sequences of brilliance. And like I said before, they can play spoiler to teams like Oklahoma, which is exactly who they'll play this weekend. It's the right time to be feeling good about your team if you're TCU. Watch out, OU. With how many close games they've had this year, I expect TCU to put up a fight in this one. Plus, for those who don't know, TCU has one of the most interesting defensive schemes in the country. They play a 4-2-5 defense. That's they rush four, two linebackers, and five in coverage. That really scrambles up teams like Oklahoma, who like to spread their offense and spread the ball around, because every area of the field is blanketed. Plus, 
Get this. Guess who had the lowest completion percentage allowed among Power 5 defenders last year? Noah Daniels, TCU cornerback. And who made the top five highest-graded Power 5 defensive backs last year? Travius Hodges Tomlinson, TCU, the one that got the pick six. And guess who are both back on the team this year? Noah Daniels and Travius Hodges Tomlinson. Let's do this, TCU. Number 11, the West Virginia Mountaineers. And they're only ranked over Texas Tech, who had an equally bad blowout because they lost to a better team than Texas Tech. Next up, they have TCU on October 23rd, following a bye this coming week. And do you know one of the biggest problems with West Virginia? Their run defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. I don't care if they've been in a few close games with contenders. In those games, their run defense did them no favors. TCU will run all over them unless they stage a more aggressive run defense. But like I said, they have a bye this coming week, so not much to look forward to here after a crushing loss to Baylor. Number 12, Texas Tech. They were absolutely crushed by TCU. Not a lot of positive things to report here. Their offense, I will say, was phenomenal, racking up 558 total yards, so you could be positive about that. I mean, but the defense just wiped it all out. It was just atrocious, and Coach Wells knew it too. He admitted himself that their defense was downright cruddy in his own words. And the bells are ringing for him, I I have to say. There's speculation out there that he should resign because this was just the straw that broke the camel's back. So we'll be monitoring that situation. I mean, sports coverage website fan-sided. They even suggested that the Matt Wells experiment has come to an end after that game. He has a .364 winning percentage with the Red Raiders, the third worst in program history, and much worse than the .466 winning percentage that got Cliff Kingsbury fired. So there's a lot to watch here. The Red Raiders were just MIA on defense, and that's really all there is to it. Number 12. Number 13. Lucky number 13, UCF. And why is it lucky number 13? Because they're in a fun spot. Even though they're at number 13, forget about that hard-fought victory over East Carolina. That was nice this past weekend. They did show some defensive metal and schemes in there that, you know, showed how their defense has matured over the course of the season so far. But that's not what matters. What matters is that they play Cincinnati next week. They are in the envious position of having a chance to play spoiler. Beating number three Cincinnati right after they were given that number three title, would be absolute gold for UCF. Mark Anthony Richards had a great one-yard touchdown plunge with 23 seconds left against East Carolina to put them over the top on an 11-play, 64-yard drive that lasted just over three minutes. If they can string together more drives like that and possibly extend the drives a little bit to eat up more clock and continue to ride running back Johnny Richardson... They have a chance to make this game interesting. But they have to protect the ball, though. That's the key. Number 14, the Kansas Jayhawks. They stay put at number 14. And why is that? Because you can't go anywhere when you don't play a game. Not much to report here other than that they also have the opportunity to play spoiler to both of the Oklahoma teams 
Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in the next two weeks. Do the Jayhawks have a shot? Probably not. But is it worth a shot? Heck yeah, it is. So come on, Jayhawks. Show us what you got. To sum up, we had some great teams show us exactly why they're great this past weekend. And we had some not-so-great teams show us that they can actually play with some of the big boys. And then we had some not-so-great teams show us why they're not so great. BYU fell out of the top five with a bad loss against Boise State. Cincinnati really does look like the real deal. And TCU actually looks like it'll give Oklahoma a run for its money. There's a lot to stay on top of here, people. It looks like a fight for the top spot between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State is the real story here. But don't forget about the underdogs below that can cause some trouble. And that's where we'll leave things for today. In closing, the Big 12 is awesome. Watch out for the underdogs. And the picture is getting clearer and clearer as we go. Thanks for tuning in and have a fantastic rest of your week. And stay tuned on all things Big 12. Be sure to share this episode with a Big 12 believer. And we will see you back here next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.